What's up, Simple Passive Cashflow? Now, on today's podcast is yet another coaching call with myself and our volunteer, Aaron. Now, Aaron's been investing with us in our group for a while, and he started when I was still teaching people how to buy turnkey rentals and you know all that type of pain in the butt stuff. If you notice, we shut down the incubator group because although I like helping people who are non-accredited investors, it just became a little bit of a not a good use of my time. In the turnkey world or even buying single family homes through a broker on your own, the characters always change. And I think most accredited investors, at least ones in our mastermind group, will all say rental properties are just a waste of time and they're high liability you have the personal debt in your own name. And unless you are doing some kind of first strategy, wiring money to some random person on the on non-institutional level and one, one bad relationship from losing a whole bunch of money, it's just not worth it. And I've said all the time, once your net worth goes to be about half a million, million dollars, owning rental properties you know, it just makes no sense. And this is my story back in 2015. I had 11 of these turnkey rentals and I had maybe an eviction or two every year, some kind of big catastrophe that happened every quarter. And you start to realize that when somebody trashes your property and now you're stuck with a five, $15,000 repair bill, you're, what was the whole point of this nonsense? And with all the the headache and liability. And even when you are working with a property manager, which by the way, they're not aligned with you. They get paid more money when you have a vacancy, which is completely opposite on the commercial side where we have uh, we are aligned with our third-party property managers on the assets of more in terms of profit and loss as opposed to their taking in the income from certain percentages of the rents. Now, if you guys want to interact with more credit investors who are doing crazy things like taking money out of their home equity via HELOC or infinite banking. And despite what Dave Ramsey says, it's a scam and maybe foregoing on a buying a primary residence, especially if you're a non-accredited investor. As I always say, I don't think you should be buying a house unless your net worth is two or three X that other house, even if you are using debt. Come out to one of our events and get to know other people and definitely going to be the different advice from what your parents taught you and what your broke coworkers are doing, who are probably going to be working there for the rest of their lives. Come out to October 1st. We're going to be in Napa. Check out those details at simplepassivecashflow.com slash Napa and October 6th and 7th, especially if you want to get boots on the ground, actually visit these properties that you invest in, come out to Huntsville, Alabama. I know that's a little hard, which is why the price in that one is a lot lower and subsidized for that because we know it is a you know time investment, more importantly, but you do may have to take an extra plane to get there to Huntsville, Alabama. You can either fly into Nashville, Birmingham, or straight into Huntsville, depending on where you're coming from. But that is going to be October 6th and 7th. We're going to be doing a little party for the unveiling of the Chase Creek Apartments, our latest development. And you can get more information by going to simplepassacashflow.com slash events, where you also learn about our annual retreat in January 2023 there too. Again, make sure you guys are part of our club because if not, we won't let you come. We always, we put it out there on our free Facebook group. But if you're a high net worth accredited investor, I think that's the type of stuff that you guys like. And it's apparently it's worked for us in the past that we're really the only investor group out there that highly vets the people coming in for not only net worth, their professional status, but as people too. So again, sign up for the club, simplepassacastle.com slash club. 
and then check out our events that are coming up October 6th and 7th in Huntsville and October 1st in Napa Valley. And with that, enjoy the coaching call. And if you guys like this or you want to volunteer for a future one, please email the team at team at simplepassivecashflow.com. We can change your name around. We don't have to use your video, but that's a great way for some folks to get some extra one-hour guidance with myself. And we'll give you the recording too, I guess. But thanks for listening, folks, and enjoy the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Passive Cashflow listeners. Today we got Aaron here. He's going to be doing a hot seat with us. So I've got your personal financial sheet up. If you guys are listening on a podcast, Probably want to jump on the uh, YouTube and check this out if you want some visuals here. But welcoming Aaron on the line. Thanks for joining us. Maybe give us a little bit of a uh, background, just so people get a sense of where you're coming from. Sure. I'm happy to be here, Lane. I'm excited to sit down and talk to you a little bit. Background, college graduate, started lurking in kind of corporate America, decided I wanted to have more time to control my schedule. So ended up starting a small business, which is house cleaning, which I enjoy thoroughly. Um, so ups and downs there, but did manage to have some extra cash flow looking for a home. And so started exploring the world of investing, which uh, led me first to stocks, traded those for a while, pretty decent returns, but ultimately was looking for cash flow to continue the path of finding my time being more in my control. So I went there and started looking at uh, turnkey rentals and started my journey that way. Where, where geographically do you live sure. and about how old are you? you kids or? Born in Ohio and Michigan. I spent some time there. Kind of grew up in Minnesota. Went to Stillwater High School, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Moved out for college to Colorado, which is where I currently live and met my wife. Uh, we have one child who's six, uh, a little boy who is a lot of fun. So that's geographically where we're at, 40 years old. And I think it's that, how that works. So it's about where I'm at as far as that goes. Cool. Is in the cleaning business, for, mm-hmm. for a lot of people don't know, that's the old lawnmowering business where you get to work for you, put on steroids and it's nobody wants to do it. That's why it's pretty lucrative. It's nice because I wanted a business that had repeat customers so I could build over time. So it's not always looking for the next customer once you finish a job. So started the background in construction and that ended up a lot there where you can have a really great year one year and then almost nothing next quarter. It's just a constant process of trying to find the next um, client. So nice thing about this industry, what I like a lot about it is that you have to work um, a lot less hard. You develop relationships over time. And through that, you're able to have a very um, lucrative and consistent job. The uh, downside, of course, is finding people who want to do the work. So that's a struggle, but that is the main value I'm able to add to the marketplace is to find the uh, people who are willing to show up and keep showing up and do the job. Cool. So let's dig into this a little bit. So you jumped into turnkey rentals a couple mm-hmm. of years ago or about, about how long yeah, ago? Yeah, about two years ago, I think, give or take. And let's talk a little bit about how you came to that decision and was it about the, was it the right choice and what was your experience there? 
Sure. Listened to a lot of podcasts, did a, read a lot of books. Of course, a lot of it starts with the little purple book we all know of so well, which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, trying to find assets that throw off cash flow. So trying to find something real, did a lot of research, probably about a year, calling around, um, talking to different people from knowing nothing at all to trying to find someone to partner with. Found a group out of Memphis, what I thought uh, was a great team and is a great team. What really tipped me off is I talked to several competitors of theirs and they all had nothing but nice things to say about their business practices and how um, they take care of their clients and their renters. So decided to go there. They, uh, like many turnkey rental places, had a wait list. So I wasn't able to buy as much as I wanted right away. So it took me uh, about two years to get uh, four properties about as fast as they would let me. Did enjoy the idea of leverage in the first, but the first year and a half and went really well. And then just started to notice that the returns I'm just really were undercut by the turnover and clients, the small things that happened and probably in the value of properties I was at, I was relatively, really solidly B properties, maybe even B minus. Mm -hmm. Um, What what would you say the price and the rents were on those? Uh, A little under a hundred thousand. So we hit the 1% rule pretty often. So um, if it was a 60 or $70,000 house, I got um, $800 per, per door. So it was hit the 1% rule. So, so I think by the cheapest house I bought was 65. The most expensive I bought was uh, 95. My mission at simplepassivecashflow.com is to help hardworking individuals like you do what I did, which was leave a professional career behind by building an investment portfolio where the passive income exceeded my daily expenses. It frustrates me that there are so many people out there mindlessly investing in the Roth, IRA, 401k, mutual funds, or worse, going through a useless financial planner who is just selling retail and financial products. Here's the problem. There are multiple middlemen taking a cut of your returns, all the while you take all the rest. In our community, we spend a little bit of effort to educate ourselves and build organic relationships with other past investors to source the best off-market opportunities, all while enjoying higher returns and better security because the asset that you purchased is a real hard asset, not some kind of fake stuff like a crypto or altcoin. The trifecta is simple. Number one, syndications to get number two, passive losses to unlock other tax best practices. And thirdly, infinite banking. Join our network for more insider access and educational material at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. And also sign up for a free strategy call once you're in there. Enter our ecosystem. So if you did come out to Hawaii on our annual investor retreat, you'd be able to develop those relationships with the right people. To check out future events, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash events. And we'll see you in person. I know you're not looking for turnkeys today, but how is it late 2019 now, the pricing and rental values? Is it still about the same or... Uh, no, I actually think it's much worse. I was um, in the process of, I did make some money on the sale of my properties, which surprised me in some ways because people were willing to pay a whole lot more for the same rent. I think by math, uh, the last two I sold looked like they net $100, $150 a month per uh, unit. And from my point of view, given what I've been through, that's just not so to cover the incidental cost. It may hit all the numbers as far as maintenance and uh, missing renters, but it just takes one, even a broken window, and all of a sudden you've missed half of your income for the year. So it's been much harder, almost to the point of it's hard for me to imagine how people are, are buying single family turnkeys at the price points that are now being offered to the same people I bought a couple of years ago at ones that I thought were safe. And I was theoretically adding on paper between 250 and 270 most of the doors I bought. And I just um, never saw that and felt, I feel like 
it's a really tough choice nowadays. If I were doing it again, I'd feel like it was even more that it was not what it was advertised. I felt mostly little like I got false advertising at the end that the numbers worked out that just really such low amounts that it didn't take much to wipe out all your income for possibly a couple of years in just one incident. Yeah. Maybe getting in the nitty gritty here, were you mm-hmm. on your underwriting, were you including in like five, ten percent for vacancy, five, ten percent for repairs and maintenance, you know? I was. Yeah, it's I could pull up the spreadsheets if you wanted. That's probably too much that you know. But yeah, I looked in eight to ten percent on probably the combined between vacancy and maintenance just wasn't sufficient, honestly. I think what people don't realize is like the vacancy will come up at this five to 10%, right? Like how you said, but what people don't realize is when you get a vacancy, you're going to have to pay up like half the first month's rent. So that's like another five to 10% right there. Yeah. For me, it feels like if I were doing the math again, there is the 50% rule you hear a lot about with fully owned real estate, where you expect to get about half of the um, rent amount in terms of profit. I feel if you apply that as a model back doing that to say, okay, if I add my vacancy, my repairs, my mortgage, can I still make money if that's true? Yeah, it's a little bit the same, but I felt, yeah, exactly. They don't take into account things like you're going to pay up to a month, actually, many of the suppliers now, you pay a month of rent every time you do the transition over. And to me, it also was just the repair cost on turn was more than I thought it would be too. They were quoting me averages between 800 to 1200 bucks. I think the cheapest turn I had was 1600 and I had several around 2500 And they weren't, they weren't trash places. It wasn't holes in the walls and people were just mad and spray painting things. It was just, they left stuff in the yard, they left stuff in the house and it just took extra time. They had to come back and mow the grass once a week on my dime, that kind of stuff. And they did a great job in many ways. Like the shocking thing for me is that many things went well. It wasn't one big blow up of, man, you should have seen this place. It <laughs> took all the profit away. These are just very normal, everyday, hey, the, we had, uh, we saw evidence of cockroaches, so we're going to spray everything down, so that's another, in, in, in between, so this isn't while living there. So I had to do a whole year pest control, that's another two, $300, and then you add that to another thing and another thing later, and this built, I just, I mean, I had $14,000 go out between the four properties in a three-month period, and I was just like, I just don't feel like I'm going to make the kind of return I can get. I did the math and figured out I could basically buy U.S. savings bonds and get the same return. And I, I will second that with thousand, two thousand for change orders. But then this last one I had, if it's going to be like I don't know if it's going to be ten, twenty, or thirty grand to fix this latest one up. So that's and that's the deal for me. The risk <laughs> is so much higher. There, you know, the re- the return isn't commiserate. Like all it takes is, as you did, you have a thirty grand turn. Like my God, like. That's all of your profit for a decade, feels like, at yeah. <laughs> $1 to $200 a door. If you're going for, yeah, I'm going to make, even a percentage, it looks okay because I put in $15,000 or you know $20,000 in. And if I get $200 a door, it's $2,400 return. That's 11% return. Sounds great until you realize that like, gosh. And then you talk about insurance and you talk about like legal covering, even just for businesses. Like just set up a business in... Tennessee, it has a, I think it was a one to 3% on total net assets tax. So do you want to run the risk of having a personal umbrella insurance or do you want to have a corporation run it through that? And then again, these little ticks on the road really come back to really buy into your profit margin. My thought on like turnkeys is I think everybody should start there. 
if you have no experience, especially. And then, but what would you say, Aaron, to like that younger kid just out of college with just maybe 30 or 40 grand to his name? Is what should they start off with? I know both of us are hated on turnkeys right now, but what would you say in hindsight? I think in hindsight, I would say that double the expenses that people are telling you are on average when they're selling you a turnkey. And if you can still make money, then go for it. Like I would say, start talking to people and get real honest about how much the cost is really there and then do it. Run the numbers that direction and make sure that in comparison to other spaces, even again, bonds, like looking at municipal bonds at three to 4%. You know, if you take an 8% return and cut it in half due to expenses, you're only there. It's hard to say, go after it at these prices. Even yeah. if someone doesn't have a lot of options, I'd really look at them and say, that sucks, but I'd say find a different vehicle unless you can the return plus 4%. You got to get higher than that with real expenses and real. Talk to Lane and say, okay, break it down for me. What am I really looking at in terms of real expenses? Because a one to two grand turn is just normal. And if you're only expecting to make twelve to $1,800 on that, on that uh, property, in a year, I don't know how it works. I don't know how you make money eventually. You know, yeah. Over time, you might get the appreciation, which is nice and it's good. And certainly it's it helped me, but that was a lot of emotion and a lot of money coming in, especially if you don't have a lot of, of uh, cash coming in from your other business. I did. So it wasn't tragic. I, I, if we go through this, I've got a decent amount of extra cash to throw at it. When I went at a $14,000 expense come through in three months. It wasn't coming out of my living expenses. It wasn't coming out of my family's experience of life. It was just unfortunate. And if you only have 30 grand and you're looking to invest it, I just really make sure that you have a lot of margin or find another vehicle. All right. And you know, what, one thing I just wanted to point out for the folks, you went with one of these like perennial turnkey providers that I think you knew going in that they were overpriced, but I know you wanted just stability. Yeah, I, I think the Burr method, if you can find someone to walk you through that, it's got a lot of attraction to it. If you can make that three to $400 or even $500 a month, if you have the, the money and you have someone you trust, I could see maybe that working. I just think the turnkey as presented to me, even with someone who's good at this, just make sure that they're offering more than $150 a month as a prize. As a- You went with like the Maserati of turnkey providers there. They're, they have this waiting list because they have turnkey providers lining up around the block. I don't know if I would recommend doing that. Obviously, you're a lot more experienced now, so you don't yeah. get that white glove treatment. And this is another reason why I don't, like in the Facebook group that we have, I don't, I really stay away from recommending anybody because right. things change. Turnkey providers, they're just low-end flippers, most right. of them, that once they get better, they go do more retail flips and they get out of the game. So it's this constant battle of trying to find like the new right. guys. It's good enough to be good at what they do, but not so good that they end up, you know, ha- at cutting my margin so much that I actually don't make as much money as I need to. Exactly. So that's the plug for the mastermind. So we kind of trade providers and do that. But you got to pay to play, guys. Sorry, I can't just give up free referrals because you guys have been wasting my providers' time, just calling them and wasting time. So. Sorry about that. <laughs> but so, okay, so let's talk. Is that your property on Wren Avenue down here? Uh, no. Nope. Is that the turnkey? I think that's old. I don't, yeah, it's, that's, I don't know where that came from, honestly. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. I had it and then I went to delete it. It's pre-properly. Oh, you know what that is? It might have been pre-properly. The, um, I was trying to represent the, the, the money I put into the, um, sorry, the, sorry, the apartment building we just did, we just completed. Oh, okay. That's how I was like. That address looks really 
Yeah, that's the the, the multifamily we just completed. I think it's the agave now we're calling it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was like, so that's what that was. That was looked, that's that apartment building we did. That I was like, yeah. man, that looks really uh, right. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that sixty thousand is what I have there. Okay, we'll kind of dig into these personal financial sheets here a little bit. So you've got about forty grand in liquidity. Did you liquidate the the turnkeys? I did. Okay, okay. And then you've got your home and cash. So what I usually I'm looking for is where is your your lazy equity? So you've got a, a little bit here, right? You could probably. Do you want? Let me ask you a question. Do you want to live in this house for the long term? I do. My first step next will be to get a home equity line of credit to attach some of that. Okay. If you didn't want to live here, I would say, of course, sell it. Right. But just move and, and get the equity all out. Because like HELOCs are good for because you can, it's a reversible thing. It's not like you sold it or you paid right. a 1% origination for a new loan. But the bad thing is you don't get entirely at all the equity. Because right now you've got about 100 grand equity. With the HELOC, you might not be able to get 50 grand, like half of it. Sure. Because they, they like to have that lazy equity so they're secured. And so you've got about maybe 50 grand to play with here with a HELOC that you figure. So you've got about 90 of firepower ready to go. Your net worth at the end of the day is about 160. I think you took the 60 out of the other thing. So a little bit more than that. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what that was. Okay. Yeah. That was the uh, multifamily. I just didn't know where to put it. So that's ended up there. Yep. Okay. So what, where, what are your kind of your two options at this point? I mean, let's, let's talk through this a little bit. Are you asking or telling? Asking. Oh, I'd like to continue to do looking at renting my money out and building into the multifamily and or other syndications. I'm a bigger fan of having more passive and the passive side of equity. I'm not looking to start another business, which I feel like a lot of options are. So that's what I'm hoping to do is to find a space that I can continue to grow um, investing into other people's projects. I Figure I can put 120,000 in. I got another 60 I can do this year, depending on what I want to find. And then easily 60 a year after that, growing as my returns grow. So that's a six year plan to get myself to a half million dollars of invested in returning capital, hopefully around a 10% mark. Yeah, and, and I'll commend you. So this is what I look at a lot. If, if there's one indicator of financial independence, is you take this number minus this number, which is this. If you're making, if you're able to save more than 50, 60 grand a year, man, you're like in the top, at least top 20% of the people I talk to, which is like the 0.01% of the world, whatever that is. So that's a big thing. It's just not, now's this waiting game, right? This is the frustrating part when you're trying to grind from 200 to 500 to a million. And right. it's going to, it's going to, even if you didn't even invest it, you're going to, in five years, you're going to get up to half a million. Right. Saving it. Yeah. 350, but yeah. So what people don't realize is when I started with zero, it took, I bought that first property, then bought another property, then 1031, and then this. It took me like seven years to get double digit units. And that just, it just moved like turtle speed. What about the idea of trying to go and find a broker and property manager and kind of piece together some single family homes yourself? How does that idea sound to you? 
Um, I'm not against it. Actually, I, I feel fairly burned from the last experience with the turnkey. Yeah. I don't think it was necessarily just the turnkey side of it. I feel like I'd like to find a space where I feel like I'm more aligned with the lead investments idea. I like the idea of multifamily or at least the idea that I'm not the direct customer. I feel like when I'm with the property management, they invent really neat ways of making sure that they get paid. And I end up being the person that they get paid from. The apartment complex, ultimately, they're there to key in on making sure the apartment complex is as profitable as possible. So their incentive is aligned with mine. I feel like I'm a little bit at odds with the property management on that single family. But the syndications, in theory, they sound awesome. You have an asset manager in there who's a partner that manages the property manager day to, or week to week. But they don't all go well. That's the right. We, it's just like the turnkeys. You thought it was good, then you touch the stove, and you're like it hasn't. Which you haven't touched this right now. And why I'm having this conversation with you works. How do I? Who do I trust? And is this just one more? You know, it seems like good on paper, but now I get through it three years from now. I'm like, yeah, that didn't work out nearly as well. I think we're in terms of where your net worth is right now. I think if you were like five hundred, six hundred thousand, yeah, no brainer. Syndications, all the but the fact that you're in this quarter million to million land. You, you may have to put in a little bit more sweat equity to get it done quicker. Why is the return so much higher in a single family? I think you're, what you, you're not seeing is because you went with the prima donna turnkey provider and the, the returns are very slim with them. And then you didn't negotiate well with your property manager. It shouldn't, they shouldn't take a full month's rent of the first month. You know, those are just some I mean, things. The calf one, but yeah, a lot of them out there was advertising that. Like, I think if, if things go well, and I think you're going to get better and as an investor, you could probably beat what syndications do. You don't want to, you definitely don't want to do that long term, right? But right. To, it'll get you to half a million quicker. But you save pretty dang good. You're not like some guy who's only able to put 10, 20 grand into the bank every year. So maybe right. I, mean, I, I do feel like within a couple of years, I have between the equity in my, in my home and I can get to 120,000 this year and maybe 60 or 70 next year, allows me to at least put chips on the table as far right. as indication goes. Yeah. If I can find someone willing to deal with someone like me, honestly, that's a big issue. Not Clearly not a... Um, qualified investors. So it's a lot more difficult to do. So that's what I would say is, it sounds like we're, we see it the, both ways. I think I wouldn't totally not look for your own deals. if you mm-hmm. may. And if something looks very good, then be patient and pounce on it. And just like the syndications too. Sure. And also it's a sort of a misnomer. It's not like you get access to more deals. 90 to 97% is the statistic I heard of deals are for non-accredited investors. It's just you're not seeing okay. because you're not part of those networks. Okay. In my opinion, sometimes the accredited only deals aren't as strong because they have to pretty much throw a Hail Mary up in the stands and hope that they can get investors and market it. Because once they market okay. those deals out, then they can only take accredited investors. That makes sense. So I guess for me, it's how do I, I would look more towards joining the right networks, even if I have to spend money to do so to make it work. But on the other hand, I've only got 50 to 60 grand a year to deal with. So that makes that difficult as well. So I get, I feel like I'm in between. Right. This is what makes the, finally make it, it makes it so much sweeter because it was so difficult to get there. So talk to me about like time, your resource of time. Is it better made finding more deals or connecting with more people or is it putting it back into the business and make more top line dollar? Uh, It's more connecting with people. I've, I, I had the employees I want and I'm fairly unwilling to keep on growing that side of it just because it's the turnover is killing my business. So 
made a decision a couple years ago that I'm not really going to grow much beyond my current level. So that's in coming out with 50 or 60 grand worth of cash flow that I can use for investing. I don't, the amount of effort it would take to add to that without dramatically reducing it, if that makes sense, could have to reduce the amount of free cash flow that I have to grow the business. And I feel like I could do better trying to find um, either network or other investor opportunities to run alongside my business than I would putting time and effort and money back into my business. I, I, I buy that for sure. Because most guys that are like, for example, doctors, it's just they get paid hourly rate. They, right. But sounds like you're up against a little barrier very you have to push through somewhere i've got a pretty i make a decent amount per hour but i to increase that more it would take a different level of business that i'm unwilling to invest in okay i hear that any other questions like the life insurance infinite banking is probably not going to be for you because you're going to need every single dollar to throw at more investments more assets that produce income Um, that's what i feel about it too so that's my impression of it. I didn't do the research into it. It seems like I'm trying to find a way. The nice thing about my job is that if I can find a way to even make, you know, two or three grand a month of passive income, it's not an all or nothing thing. I can back off a day a week and find more time and possibly be a better investor as opposed to spending all my time working and then just trying to invest in the margins. So I have the ability to work whatever number of hours I want, but that'll reduce my number, my hours what I'm making. So if I can offset that, I can do it more easily than I think a lot of doctors or lawyers or engineers can. It tends to be more of an all or nothing kind of situation. That's why also it's attractive to me to try to find a way to make that return, even on you know the quarter million to the half million side would really change my life, even yeah. if it doesn't make it perfect. So I tend towards the, what I'd like to see is who do I talk to? How do I get either mentorship or find a group that, fits this category. And I'm not sure that there's one, which is I'm done with single family. I have some free cash flow. I have as much free cash flow as many doctors do, preferably, and trying to find a way to make that work. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have enough coals going into the, the furnace is the, is the thought. So there's really not, it, maybe the other option you haven't thought about is as you expand your network, maybe you partner with somebody in the similar position and you guys go after 20 unit with each other. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And that that's never really happens until you build the relationships and you meet the right person. So if you were, I know you've done this, if you were to build relationships from zero again, how would you go about doing it? So one mistake. If lost our relationships tomorrow, how would you start again? Yeah, one mistake that I see a lot of people making is they go up to the person speaking on top of the stage. That's the absolutely wrong place to go. And not to sound like a jerk or anything, coming to me is probably the wrong place to go. what I found the most effective is finding people on your level and then you that aren't to any they're just working through their own stuff and you see who sticks around and those are the people you trust right because you you see where they came from and there's actual a real value exchange both ways they help you you help them and you guys want to get up to half a million dollars together and then right. a million dollars together. From a high level, that's or that's you my. Go to find someone like that, you think, or, or places you think that person would be. Yes. Again, I'm not asking for you. I'm just talking. Where would you go if you had that position again? I no, I don't know if I would recommend the local RIA because there most people there are broke. That's why they're going to a local. That was my experience too. There seems like one, maybe two people, and then they're, yeah, they're they're, they're not in the same place I am. Put that way, either they're broke or they're well successful that they're not really. Yeah, and, and you just have a bunch of sharks there too. 
that are just right. trying to stuff the house flippers just trying to stuff people into their deal and give them 10% and take on all the risks. You already know that's just lame. You're an equity investor, not a debt investor at this point. So that's right. kind of, that might just tire your art going to those types of things, but maybe I would go like, maybe not every month, go every other month. You just be consistent. Okay. You start to, the point there is now you try and realize who are the sharks and not to waste your time with them. And then who are like the newer people coming out? And those are the people you're trying to find. But you got to get them before the sharks get them. I also know you've got the uh, friend finder thing I haven't really explored. Do you think there's people like me in that network I could find? Yeah, but I I might be shutting that thing down because I just don't have the bandwidth. And here's another thing. I don't like to connect people unless they want to be connected. I do the double opt-in standard operating procedure where if you want to talk to this person, I go to talk to them first if they want to connect with you. That's just not cool if I just connect the email. But this all takes time and I got 40, 50 people in the mastermind now. And quite honestly, I need to focus more on them than the feet, the free Facebook groups and all these other free things out there. So unfortunately... I would get value out of the mastermind or are the people not like me or are they more still looking at single family and not there yet? I don't like the setting thing, but I think, yeah, you should probably join that thing. 20 or 30% are still in your shoes picking up their first few rentals, but okay. the majority are vetting bigger deals as a passive. Okay. But I think your net worth will be a little bit below the median. The median net worth is like 800000 Okay. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a good group to be part of. Who knows? I'd like to be in a place where, you know, clearly the gap may be too large, but I clearly want to be a place where people are smarter, more experienced than I am. So yeah, yeah. I'd rather I mean, be in that room struggling to have the, have the pressure to be, okay, get better faster than in a room where I feel without that pressure. They're not, I wouldn't say they're more experienced. Okay. They're all newer, but they're very humble. And that's what I like. So it's a good group of people of like high paid professionals. That's like shooting fish in a barrel. And that's obviously not free. But so let's get back to the free stuff because the person okay. listening to the podcast is a cheapo. And wants Fair enough. Free advice. I, say, so- I, I don't mind spending <laughs> the money. I, I want to find the space. And I realize that quality people, and I'm just for the plug for the cheapo out there, I would say, hey, spend a couple thousand dollars or several thousand dollars to find someone who actually knows the answer. Otherwise, I think you end up with what I did, which was a lot of free advice ended up putting me in the premier um, Turkey area because that's where I got funneled, which is I'm not blaming anyone in that way. But I'm more than happy at this stage of life to try to find a way to spend money to find the actual answers, not just the marketed answers, if that makes sense. Yeah, the breadcrumbs, as I call them. Or there's people who paid full time to go work and work people just like me who've got just enough money. And that's what the marketing is. They're marketing to me who want to, I've got money. I want to spend it, but I don't want to spend a lot of time and I want an easy solution. That was me. Now I have learned more and I need to do better than that, but that was who they were. So the goal is to find other people that are along your journey that if you're doing turnkeys, maybe like how I had a few people in Birmingham that I could bounce ideas off of, or, or if my property manager wasn't performing, I'm asking, Oh, are you still using that same guy? So we all kind of band together at, but just, that's just one example. Um, another example is just the holistic wealth building ideas, or maybe you want to partner up and do a deal together, for example. That's what you're trying to create. Now, how do we do that? I don't know. We're not giving people much advice 
<laughs> we're not doing a good Sorry. job. I guess that's why I'm pushing you why I signed up for this. And, and I can be nicer in a minute if you want me to say something else. What is beyond just getting out of bigger pockets? What's beyond just reading a bunch of blogs, listening to podcasts? And there's something between that and the $40,000 mastermind. Like what is what exists between those two worlds? Right. I'm willing to spend the money if I need to, but I need to find a better source of advice than what's free on the internet because that led me to a mediocre. And, and I've been listening to podcasts for over a decade now. And I'll tell you that the podcasts are the same old stuff. I don't even listen to podcasts anymore. And so what I would say the next step that I went down is get around, you got to pay to go to like higher end conferences. Okay. You're going to have to pay over a thousand dollars to attend these things. And part of that is you're just getting around people who are more serious than the $50 weekend seminar crowd. But then I think what you'll find is some of those groups are, they're just not in the right. They're more go-getters. They're more $5 net worth guys that want to do big deals. You don't want to find guys like that. What I found was like other doctors, lawyers, engineers that were 10 years older than I was. So I was like, oh, I better copy what these guys do. I didn't find that until I started joining these groups for 20, 30 grand membership okay. fee. But you once you get into the group, it, it's amazing how easier it gets. But you're just trying to find a few good people, build a relationship with them, stick around for a year or two, and then eventually, hopefully they find somebody other groups or you do. It's really is the long game. I've got one twenty thousand I'm considering, but again, like it's back to I'm making good money per month and I can spend it. And I'm I'm looking to stop trying to be the hero and the do it myself DIY guy guy. Yeah, I don't recommend ever paying over that amount. I'm thinking about joining this one mastermind just to give you guys access to more providers and like lending opportunities. But that's an invite only one. And it's only 25 grand for me. That's like, for what it is, it's nothing. But I don't think you need to spend that much. And my, my program is like under five grand, not to sell it. But, <laughs> but I, I think the cool thing is if you want to do it, the 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 traditional way, you got to go to conferences. You might have to go to a few of them. So that's a few thousand bucks and you have to go fly there. And then it's really like shooting fish in like a huge pond. Like you got to meet the right people. You got to kiss a lot of frogs. You got to go back. If you're an introvert, you're going to go back to your room super tired. And hopefully you picked enough um, business cards. You can come back and hopefully rekindle a, a long lasting relationship. But yeah, step one, I think, Aaron, is go to your local RIA. Okay. At least go go once a quarter or something like that. At least who are the sharks and who are like the new people that you want to connect with. Sure. And now you have that your lens, right? How do you navigate that type of scenario? Okay. But any other thing that kind of comes to your mind? Things you might want to try? Uh, yeah, I, I do all over the world again looking at Things like note investing and such still look are interesting. I'm not sure if I should or shouldn't. I feel exactly the same way now. I feel a little gun shy. Like I want to find somebody to walk me through how this might work. Yeah, for a lot of the the passive investors that listen to this podcast, more higher net worth guys, if you're not, I don't know why you listen to this. Really, the only things you want to do as an operator are like non-performing notes, maybe self-storage apartments once you get to the assisted living or mobile home parks those are more hands-on right it's a spectrum of hands-on operators like non-performing notes for example you can do that in the comfort of your home living in hawaii or los angeles or the other ones you gotta be boots on the ground that said if you want to do non-performing notes you have to go to 
the boot camp, you got to pay to play the 20 grand or whatever it costs, in my humble opinion. Okay. Yeah, like I said, I feel like I would need a, a guide in that kind of world. It yeah. doesn't seem like a bad place. The questions are pretty endless. Yeah. But if you wanted to do something like non-performing notes, the way you circumvent that 20 grand pay to play method and just stop beating around the bush is you go network with the right people. And maybe that one of those people you network with that you build a long-term relationship with, maybe they'll want to teach it to you for some sure. strange reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's the only other thing I, on the horizon, I think was looking at those kind of ideas, but I like the idea, like you said, now that's not an equity play. I'd like the idea if I can find a way to do equity plays while, you know, also doing cash flow. That seems like at this stage of my development of trying to get to a half million, then a million, I have to. Yeah. I talked to this other guy the other day. All he's been doing is debt deals at 10 to 12%. And I'm like, where the heck did you get in your head that this is the way that you're going to build your wealth? Well, he keeps talking to these fixer flipper that tries to swindle him and the, their deal. Do the math, 10, 12%, you're never going to get anywhere. You got to get equity. Especially if you only get it nine months out of 12, like it just doesn't. For most of your time, your money is off the table, a good amount of it. I think the problem is people don't real, people look at what rich people do. If you are like a million and a half, $2 million net worth or above in this stage of the market cycle, yeah, you might want to be a debt investor to hedge your investing, but that's not what somebody half a million dollars should be doing. You don't have any money. You got to go make some money. You got to go into equity investments. You need the all, and you need all the tax benefits that goes along with it. Right. So again, that's where you have to get around people, right? You can't just listen to free podcast advice where it comes in your head in one direction and there's no feedback loop. And this is what's nice about this conversation, right? You get to ask these questions that you get. And that's why I I really stopped typing stuff into the Facebook group because I don't type very well. You have to speak in terms of absolute, but it's not absolute. Every person, every situation is different. Okay. But that does help because I was tempted by the, honestly, the 10 and 12%. I'm thinking maybe it's a safer, more consistent return. So that, yeah, but you got to, I mean, I, I want to get from a quarter million to half million into a million. It's, it's a long road if you're going to do that way. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're over a million, then you can consider it. Sure. That makes sense. But each their own. If all you go to is local RIAs, that's the, all you get presented with. So, right. A bunch of flippers looking, hey, I'll give you 12%. Yeah. If that. The people that I use, they're all very experienced and you can actually rent the property out and make some money if things go really bad. So they're giving a lot a, less than 12%. You pay for what yeah. you get. I noticed that too. It's a very, you can get 12%, but you're taking a lot more risk than you did three years ago for the same amount of return. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you'll see at the local RIAs, hey, I want to borrow money at 15%. Has this guy ever done anything? The first time, I'm not really sure. I'm probably overpaying. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good deal, man. Yeah. Right. It's hard here because I are, like many other places, I mean, the average house is like $350,000 right now. So it's hard in Colorado to find that space. Even right. even more reason why not to do it, right? Like right, exactly. California or, or Seattle and those houses are six hundred. They're They're right. wanting people to come in at half a million dollars. That's everything I tell you not to do as a syndication investor, right? Don't put more than 5% of your net worth into any one thing. Yeah. Half a million dollars. So that's, that goes back to my goal of, okay, well, I can save in the next six years if I put, if I consistently save this amount, which I've done, I've proved I can do it. It's not just on paper. I've done it for over a year now and spread it among first 10 and 20 different syndications. I don't know if there's a better way of doing it currently that I see. 
Yeah. I think you, there's a little bit of work to explore to get your own deals because you are more experienced now. And so I'd say keep that road open. And then as you expand your net worth, network, things will open up. I, I think in the beginning, when you're just two years ago for you, you networking with anybody wasn't going to do you very much. But now where you're at this stage, the network really matters. You know, and I think that's a big mistake that a lot of new investors make. They go out there and they, they network like crazy. But it's, yeah, you're networking with a bunch of other people that haven't done anything. That's useless. But now that you're at this, this stage, the network is really where, and that's really where you have to put your energy, I think. I think it's good. That makes sense. But cool. Anything else you want to chat? I think that's about it. I just appreciate your time and give me some feedback. It's hard to find, again, like you said, something between you're willing to do this for free. And I'm really grateful. So thank you. We try and make it definitely a lot cheaper. And that was the vision. So I didn't think anybody should pay 15, 20 grand to get started. That's ridiculous. But yeah, simplepassivecastle.com slash journey is the URL to apply for that. But I think you'd be a pretty good fit. Thanks for doing this, Aaron. And stay tuned for the next episode, guys. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.